Hey, what's up, everyone? <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Sit Black and Watch. I know I have been gone for about a month. Your girl had to take a mental health break and, you know, get myself together. Also, I've been super busy with work, but I'm back. And I have a guest today. We got Mr. Romel Rose, actor, director, writer, all these slashes. How you doing? I'm doing well. How you doing? Do you want me to speak into the mic? No, no, no. I can oh, literally get, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. I know. People always be like, do I need to get closer? No. Oh, sure. No, that's, you know, it's a little, this Blue Yeti is, it's nice, it's nice. <laughs> um, so thank you, you know, for coming on. Um, and I thought it was, I was happy that you said yes, because I looked at your content and I actually just watched um, Spirit of Injustice, um, oh, okay. like a few days ago, actually. Yeah. And I loved it. And I was like, so after seeing you and stuff and then talking to you, I'm like, oh, yes, 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 yes. Um, so tell me a little, well, actually, before we start, let me do my strong black lead of the week. So uh, my strong black lead of the week, I know this is old probably for y'all, but I actually just watched it last night. So it goes out to Beyonce for her... Um, um, documentary the gift i have to give it to her because of course we stand a queen um but beyonce has a new documentary yeah yeah so it came on abc it was like a little abc special so uh, it was okay. you know she did the lion king and mm -hmm. she made the album to go with the film well she documented her process in making the album which of course like typical beyonce yeah, she documents everything That's <laughs> like, right i was yeah. like i wish i hope i get to a level <laughs> where i can literally pay someone to be with me every day to right. just document my life and i always like wonder about that with documentaries um about people like um did you see the it was the quincy jones documentary i didn't see it but i heard about it i heard he was talking crazy yeah, yeah he was he was it was great though but like you know just seeing people have that footage i always wonder like dude, how did that conversation even come about especially when you're a celebrity like i'm just like you know yeah. do i how do, when, when do you get to a point <laughs> in your life when you like I need someone to be documenting me. Yeah. So um, I thought I thought that the the gift is called the gift. Um, it was super dope. Um, the visuals, of course, I like that the footage seemed like home video, mm -hmm. um, and it wasn't like, oh, look, this this big production like how Homecoming is. It very much seemed like as if it was Beyonce putting her camera on like a tripod and just recording and not having a team of professionals to. Right. Um, Put it together and yeah very very authentic so strong black lead of the week goes to miss beyonce um and uh in in news uh some of the stuff that you guys need to see so i actually went to urban world film fest this weekend and um there were quite a film, few films and stuff like that. So I'm going to get to that later on in the episode. We're going to talk to Miss Romel first. And then we're going <laughs> to talk a little bit about Urban World. Cool. Um, so tell me about how you got into filmmaking. Filmmaking. Um, so I started off acting in 2012. Uh, I started like doing background work and stuff like that. Uh, just for money. I wasn't interested in acting at all. And then... Uh, once I, you know, was on set and I genuinely saw people happy to be at work, you know what I'm saying? Like, everybody there is, like, having a good time. And I'm like, wow, I've never seen people at work have a good time before. Like, maybe mm -hmm. I'll try acting. So I took an acting class. I took an improv class in college. And then I was like, oh, okay, this is something I enjoy doing. And then I actually studied with a real acting coach and, a, mm -hmm. and took acting classes seriously in L.A. And so that's when I you know, understood the craft and how to put, because I'm a basketball player, so I would always, mm. like, use my emotions and, you know, my frustrations on the basketball court. But when I learned how to put that into a character and, like, translate it into a scene, I was like, oh, this is, like, therapeutic. This is dope. Right, right. So I started taking acting more seriously. But then when I started auditioning and started booking things, I was getting frustrated because they were only calling me in for the thug or the pretty boy type mm, of roles. And I'm guess, like, bro, yeah. like, I'm not even that. You know what I'm saying? Like, well, like, I mean, stereotypically I'm that, but it's like, I'm, there's much more to offer. Like, I'm a, a trained actor. So I was getting frustrated. I was like auditioning for two years and I was seeing that I wasn't booking the roles that I wanted to. So I was like, fuck it, I'm not about to. Can I cuss on here? Yeah. yeah I was yeah, like, fuck me. it. I'm not about to keep auditioning. Uh, I'm going to just create my own content. So um, Fruitvale, it's funny that you mentioned Fruitvale Station because I saw Fruitvale Station and that movie changed mm -hmm. my life, literally. Wow. Like, I that was the first time I saw, like, it was the first time I 100% 
identify with a character on screen before. Like the yeah. Oscar character, the way that he talked to his mother, the way that he talked to his girl, the way that he talked to his friends. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's me. Like, what the fuck? I've never seen that before. Yeah. And there was a particular um, scene in Fruitvale Station with the with the pit bull at the gas station. Are you mm-hmm. familiar with that yeah, scene? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when I first saw it, I was like, I thought the scene was random. And I was like, why is this scene in this movie? Like, it doesn't fit. But then when I was researching, because like when I when I saw the film, I was like, "Who made this movie? Like, yeah. it has to be somebody like my age group that yeah. like that knows the lingo and everything." Yeah. So when I discovered Ryan, I, I watched the interview and he was saying how that scene was a metaphor mm-hmm. for how black men are viewed in mm-hmm. America. You know what I'm saying? Like black wow. men are America's pit bull. We are often labeled as violent, vicious, and inhumane and left to die in the street, just like the pit bull was in that scene. Ah, that shit blew my mind. Like, Yo, bro, you know it's fuck? crazy that you say that. I never I never saw that interview. Um, but I always say with me, you know, working towards doing this documentary about black masculinity, um, I said if if black men were a state in this the, the states in the United States, they would probably be New York. Because mm-hmm. New York is seen, depending on how you look at it, as this kind of gritty place and it's like viewed as like, you know, you got the jungle, you gotta survive. Yeah. But there are some really sweet spots about New York that you don't always get because there's so many tall buildings. And, like, I'm a suburb kid. Like, I grew up in the suburbs. I'm originally from Maryland, lived down south, and I lived on the West Coast. So I know what it's like to live and, you know, just have to be free of when it comes to space. And, and New York's so refined and tight and, yeah. like, tightly wound. And I just I always think, of like, in that way of the metaphors, I'm like – if I could, black men, like, that just reminds me of New York. It seems so hardcore on the outside, but when you get to the inside of who they are and you, like, start to uncover those layers, there are so many things about New York outside of just the city of Manhattan. You can go to Long Island, Staten Island, like, the different boroughs, like. Yeah, I'm learning all that. This is my beauty. third time out here, so I'm still trying to, like, oh, navigate nice, and nice, learn nice. my way around, but yeah. I agree with what you're saying. So, yeah, yeah you know, to piggyback off that, uh. I had to, I, like, from that scene, it immediately clicked, like, okay, what is my version of mm-hmm. America's pit bull? Right. And I just thought about my brother because he was serving in the military, and I just thought the concept of, you know, if he wears a hoodie, he's seen as, if he wears a black hoodie, he's seen as something else. But he's, in actuality, he's serving our country. So just to play with the, the duality of that, like, you know, he's serving in the military, but what if he puts on a hoodie? I don't know if you saw the film, but I'll send it to you. Yeah. It's a five-minute silent film. But basically, I wrote a script. I didn't know how to write a script. I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. But I wrote a script, but uh, I didn't have the confidence to make it because mm-hmm. I didn't know how to make a film. So I was like, okay, let me do this America's Pit Bull idea, which is easy to shoot. I knew exactly how to make it, how to, because I know I studied acting, I know storytelling, so mm. I knew how to tell the story that I wanted to do, and I knew that it didn't need words, and I knew I was going to use my little brother, because he's actually right. in the military, you know what I'm saying, so yeah. it was like, the film just, I did it, because I linked up with my boy, Adrian, uh, and he does similar content, and he's a videographer, mm-hmm. so I was like, bro, I don't know how to fucking do this, but like, this is how I see these shots, and I was like, showing him examples from Fruitvale, like, bro, I want to shoot this like this, like, how do we do it? You know what I'm saying? And he was like... Isn't and we that just, the beauty of filmmaking? Yeah, we just had the same vision for it, and it just worked, and we just right. clicked, you know what I'm saying? So it was like, we did the film, we edited it together, it was five minutes, we put it out on social media, and people just gravitated to it. Right. And I was like, wow, like, I could tell, I could do this, you know what I'm saying? That, that was my confirmation for me. Like you said, like, the film festival was your confirmation. Me putting that film into the world, that was my confirmation in it. My homegirl called me, she was like what the fuck she was like you need to be sending this to film festivals da, 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 da. so it went to a couple festivals okay um and then that gave me the confidence to do the idea that i actually wanted to do right and then i just built on kept building on top of that and right. then people started to look at me as a filmmaker but i'm like i only did the i only started doing films because i wasn't getting opportunity as a as an actor so yeah i i've recently like like in the past like year or two i've embraced the filmmaking title that yeah. people because even when i met ryan i met ryan i met ryan i almost cried i was like <laughs> listen i'm like, still waiting to be ryan Bell changed my life bro he because i was i was yeah. working ballet at a hotel and he was staying there and like it's funny because i had the script written for america's pitbull mm-hmm. before he checked in and um a week later, my boy who who was doing the concierge, he was like, Ryan Coogler. He was like, hey, ain't this your boy about to check in? I was like, shut the fuck up, bro. Like, he's not about to check wow. in this hotel. So he checked in. Like, I didn't know how to, like, approach him at first because, you know, 
he wasn't who he is now. He didn't do Black Panther Creed. He had just yeah. done Fruitvale. He was right. do, like he was in pre-production for Creed. Mm. So when I met him, I told him about the idea. He was like, "Yeah, send it to me, bro." I sent it to him, and he responded. He was like, "Bro, it's dope. Like, keep sending me your work." So that was another confirmation. I was yeah. like, "This nigga, if he said it's dope, all right, cool. Like, I, yeah. you know, I'm gonna keep doing it." So, and I think that's that's so beautiful. It's I've noticed that um, our generation. Um, of filmmakers when it comes to like the under 40 crowd like the Issa's, Ryan's, Lena like they are really really flexing their muscle and making sure that they uh, bring like you know reach back into the community and stay connected with the the um, undiscovered filmmakers and actors and talent and putting fresh faces on screen um, especially where we live in this age of like digital media and and social media like um one person that i watch on um instagram is lala Jalala scissorhands or whatever her instagram name is but she's on um the boomerang she's now starring in boomerang the show oh, I know. Yeah, I yeah, 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 yeah 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 um yeah and, okay. and and you know like seeing that just the same way you created the opportunity for yourself, how these Instagram comedians, like they're using Instagram and that social media to now create themselves into getting into acting or to getting into writing and stuff. And I think that that's so dope that our generation really has multi multitude of like opportunities mm-hmm. and and we're creating that for ourselves we're not waiting because we have social media there's no yeah. excuse you know what i'm saying like you right. can literally make a film and put it on so even if it doesn't go to festivals you can still build your audience on social media Absolutely. and that's and even the instagram comedians or whatever you want to call it like tapping into that market too like i think that's genius like you know what people are doing on instagram for exposure mm-hmm. so that's why i started doing little stuff just to flex like because like you know like you would know like it takes a lot to make a film like Absolutely. people don't th- people don't understand the work that goes behind it mm-hmm. they just see the product they don't know what it yeah, took the to make it the, so, the pre-production yeah. pre-production post-production yeah, yeah, yeah like it's three they stages they don't know it. they don't care about that yeah. they're just like where's the movie nigga you right. know what i'm saying like, i'm like bro i'm working on it it's, it takes time you know what i'm saying right. you gotta, don't even Get me started about writing the script. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. that's like well, the first take us part a little bit through the process of like you know when you decide you want to develop an idea because I understand that you know not everybody writes and even mm-hmm. me learning right now. I didn't go to school for filmmaking. I don't. I, I mean, I was always a good writer mm-hmm. growing up. I my English teachers. I connected with them a lot throughout grade school, high school, and college, and they always encouraged me to, you know, develop myself as a writer, which is, I always think about what what that would have looked like if I would have maybe became an author or something, because I was, like, at 10, writing, like, little novels and things for myself, and reading fantasy and stuff like that, so what is that like for you, learning the process of being a writer? You just just inspired me to tell this story. So... I am not, I, like, there's, like, different aspects of filmmaking, which you probably can relate to, like, that I like and I don't like. Mm -hmm. I do not like writing, Mm. but I can do it. Like, I'm gifted in it, but I don't like to do it. And I don't like editing and I don't like producing, but I I have to do it. You know what I'm saying? But, so, in college, I went through this program, like, entering my freshman year. Um, It was called Summer Bridge. And it was, like, a summer program to prep you for your freshman year of college. So... Mm. But that program was very strict. It was like no phones, no social media. We just, it was strictly like the mm, program, like a retreat. Kind and of. that forced me to not have any distractions. Mm-hmm. So I was taking this English class, and in, in high school, I always knew I could write papers. Like if I focus, like I even like I I like won like loans and grants and stuff like that. Like and my mom, like what well, my mom made me like do it because we needed money for college. So she was like, you need to write this paper. And when I would like sit and focus. And like not have any distractions, I would write a decent paper. So I was like, okay, I knew I could do it, but then now it's like you take away my phone for this program, I'm forced to like like to really be about this. So right. I was taking this English class and I wrote this paper and uh I ended up like my the professor was like, This is really good and I end up no like I've n i have I end up having like the highest grade in the English wow. class. I've never had the highest grade in a class before. Like, yeah. what? Like, <laughs> It'd be a whole different feeling. And different. That, that was a turning point for me. I was like, oh, shit. Like, I'm actually, like, smart. Like, I could do, like, I could, like, yeah. write. Like, what the hell? That, to me, just blew my mind. I was, I've never had the highest grade right. in a class before. So it's I was a, just it's like, an amazing feeling when you, when 
you are affirmed. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're affirmed, and then you see the results, the fruits of your labor. Yeah. Um, I know for me, I think what really made me say, you know what, filmmaking is definitely for me, mm-hmm. the first time I ever got to work on set. I randomly applied for an internship with, I, I was just looking for jobs at the time, I didn't, so when I graduated in 2017, um, I really went through a period of post-grad depression because I was like, I was, I was working a full-time schedule, um, with school. I had three online classes and three in person. And you know, online classes is like having two classes. Um, I was interning. So 20 hours a week interning. And then I was working about 20 to 30 hours a week at a job. Mm -hmm. So I was stretched very thin my senior year of college. And so I ended up quitting my job, but I didn't have nothing lined up for myself. And that's when I decided I'm going to be a filmmaker. And I just was like, I was getting so I'm a photographer first that's what I how I really started easing myself into this I was doing photography when I was in freshman in college and just you know started shooting for the Greeks and stuff like that on campus then all of a sudden oh I'm gonna shoot this event can you come you know like that got here to New York didn't know nobody I have family here but I enrolled in school and then eventually I met some of my favorite podcasters and linked up with them was able to shoot some stuff for them and then New York Fashion Week came and I got connections for that and stuff. So I was growing within the photography world um, and it was developing me. So I was making my money that way. Mm-hmm. But I had no job after I graduated. And I was like, I got this whole marketing degree. I don't even know what I'm going to do with myself. Like, I can't. For an entry-level marketing position, even with the, the, the internship I had, it still wasn't enough for me to get like an entry-level marketing um, job. Right. So started working at Banana Republic and I was just like I can't I can't keep doing retail like this is not the life I want to live no disrespect to anybody else do you make your ends me but for me it was killing me mentally I was like I can't I'm coming home every day feeling exhausted from talking to people I'm sad I don't want to do this God like help me please I need something and um I applied for an internship and I didn't think I was gonna get it because it was a production company but it was small and um I was just like you know I hope they they like at least interview me because the one thing I know for sure is on paper, maybe you might not want to hire me because maybe out of whatever you look at my resume, like, oh, okay, whatever. But in person, I know I interview really well. Mm-hmm. And so I scored it. He was like, well, when can you come in? And, and I he uh, linked me to this director named Corey Jackson who um, had me uh, – he did a um, – a short film that it was a series of poems and he turned it into a film um, and then we worked on the first project and I was doing admin stuff for him I was making sure that everybody got paid like doing the invoices wasn't even on set then he was like can you come in for this day to shoot some BTS cool I should be a photographer I could do that next thing he was like can you help with some of the casting Oh, you don't got a casting director? Sure, I'll be a casting director. Right. And then I just happened to know a lot of uh, actors at the time that I was friends with. You know, was trying. You know, I'm gonna get y'all some work. He, a lot of my friends are in that short film because he gave me that responsibility. And he really liked them, and he's gone on to work with a lot of them too. Um, after the fact, um, and then he was like. I need you to help with wardrobe. <laughs> so I was like, okay, cool. Yeah, no, yeah. So I mean, literally, the first set that I got to work on, I was doing like four different jobs and and um, assisting wherever I could. And um, I, I, we worked the very first day was like a twelve hour day, and I never have worked a twelve hour day at any other job. I don't think maybe nine or 10 hours, but not 12. And I mean, and I was standing the like entire time, um, barely sitting for five minutes here and there. But I remember getting home. My body was so tired. I didn't realize until I laid in the bed, but I just started crying because I was happy and I felt fulfilled. And, and I just was like, yep. This is it. Even if I don't become an actual filmmaker, even just working on set, I, I like this. I like yeah. this feeling busy and, and feeling important in a way that even if you're the smallest person. But I also say that I understand that all sets are like that. Sometimes you get on a bad set or whatever. But moral of the story was I, I enjoyed it because 
the set was cool, the people were cool, and I've worked with him multiple times since then, and I really, and he's been helping, like, to develop me as a filmmaker. Um, do you have anybody in your life that, outside of um, immediate friends, that maybe you have, like, leaned on it for mentorship or anything like that? Yeah, there's a lot. I mean, there's several people. Um... Not a lot, but I mean, honestly, the thing that I love about New York is like New York is so like hustle bustle and people like are more willing to connect with you. In L.A., it's more about like who do you know and like what can you do for me? Mm. So I've had too many people in L.A. as far as like mentorship, but I met uh, a guy. He's actually from New York, but he's based in L.A. right now. His name is Emil Mm -hmm. and he's a he's a producer in Hollywood and he kind of like took me under his wing. Nice. And he showed me the ropes and he even brought me to New York for my first time like on a set Mm-hmm. and gave me that experience of being on a set and doing PA work and just being in New York. I had never been out here. Like That yeah. was a life-changing experience for me. And also, I have an acting coach uh, in L.A. His name's Anthony Gilardi. I've been studying under him since 2012, and he's been my mentor. Um, I also have uh, my, my guy, Mark Rodriguez. He's been kind of like a mentor as far as, like, um, the, the financial aspect of everything, trying to, like, pitch and, like, develop and, and create... Um, like uh like basically uh what do you call it like basically packaging your film mm-hmm. and how to market your film right. and get it so get like it a sold. press kit kind yeah of exactly yeah, yeah. Like, i don't have any knowledge of that but he's kind of like oh, yeah. stepping <laughs> in, you know guiding me through the way that's my guy man yeah. and um yeah there's other people uh give me little nuggets here and there but for the most part when i run into people like that i chair and i have to shout them out i have to cherish them because yeah. People don't do that in LA. It's like, yeah, yeah it's, oh, it's yeah. really like clickish, and it's like if you're not oh, in that absolutely. circle, they're not really fucking with you. Right. But in New York, it's like the complete opposite. Like you, like I come outside and you're like, hey, like can I do this interview? Yeah. I'm like, sure. Like I'm like, what the? And people are coming up to me in LA. People might recognize you, but they're not they gonna, gonna say, say shit. Nothing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, they're gonna yeah, act yeah. like they don't know you. They're too cool. proud. Or I'm yeah. like, all right, bro, whatever. That's why I moved. I went to Georgia, and I didn't really like uh, Georgia, but it's just like I, I couldn't. I'm like, yo, LA is just. It's, right. it's a different beast. But. Yeah, yeah. I've actually been um, thinking about relocating. Um, I want to move down south. Um, I really want to go to New Orleans mm-hmm. because I love the vibe of New Orleans. I don't know if you've ever been, but it's like, I don't know. For me, New Orleans felt like home. Like, I, I got there. I went for Essence Fest after I graduated, and I just felt like these are my people. Like, I don't know. It's something about, like, my spirit. Um, something um, in my spirit that... Um, it just felt like this is where I need to be. And I know that they're, you know, their film community is still developing. But I was like, I'm going to move down there. I keep speaking into existence. I'm like, I'm going to move down there and work on Queen Sugar. Like, yeah. I, I really want to yeah, work yeah. under Ava. Put that energy out. Into yeah, yeah. Sure. I really want to work with Ava. And I really, um, I just love the show so much. And I, um, yeah, love I randomly about it. like ran into Ava like twice. Like the mm-hmm. first time was surreal because I was at this panel and Ryan was speaking on it and it was for Ray and she mm-hmm. was like hosting the event and so like this was right after uh, I made my second short film and I mm-hmm. ran into Ryan mm-hmm. and I was like what's up bro da, da, da. and he was like oh like nice to see you and then Ava walked past and I introduced myself and then he said to Ava he was like oh this is Romel he's a young filmmaker and that <laughs> fucked me up because I'm not even thinking of myself as a filmmaker at the yeah. time but I'm like I, I am a filmmaker so right. I was like oh he just introduced me I guess I am a filmmaker That's cool. yeah, yeah. and then the second time I I was at Sundance and she's just walking down the street like she's a civilian. She is, but I'm like, why are yeah, you I know walking what you down the street? Mean, and yeah. I was like, Ava, I love your work. You know, I I'll just reintroduce myself. So Ava, Ava's dope, man. Yeah. I, I, have you seen you've seen when they see us? Oh, oh man. Yeah. I watched it. So I went to the premiere in Harlem. They did a, a red carpet premiere. All five of the, the men were there, uh, the exonerated five. And um, I mean, I was in they showed the first two halves. I was in tears, I was angry, I like it, it definitely was triggering, but like I told people, it's a must-watch because I feel like out of respect for those men in history and understanding, you need to watch it for their to see their journey. Right. But also, as a filmmaker, because I get a lot of people like, it's triggering, and it is heavy. I think the fourth part with Corey's story was more heavier than the first three parts, um, but um, it was so beautifully shot. She... They they did a fantastic job with that script. Like that storytelling, and and you you know you don't feel like you're missing any holes or right. anything. Like, and I think that that's a tough thing to do as a writer is to have a solid script, but also transitioning that onto screen. Um, do you feel like you've had any difficulties as a writer, and then um, 
figuring out how to to get things shot because I know you said that you you know you your first project um you worked with your friend and, and you kind of uh, used Fruitvale Station as the reference um, to shoot. So do you feel like now that you have more experience that it, it's still tough? or? I mean, it's always going to be tough just because every project is different. You know what I'm saying? Like, So just because I shot this, it's, it doesn't always translate to shooting this. You know what right. I mean? Like this is a totally different experience. Like for this feature, I'm doing a, um, I'm doing a sports drama. Okay. I've never done filmed a fucking mm. basketball game before how do you cover like what coverage do i need how do i get that how do i even write this right like and keeping the budget in mind to writing it like yeah. i don't i'm not about to write anything that's gonna blow up or, co or cost you know yeah. 50 million dollars to do because it's unrealistic you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. I, I try to write for my budget and or whatever the budget is mm -hmm. um so it's always going to be a challenge, but, you know, I think you take the experiences that you've had and you apply it, but it always, you, it's always going to come with new challenges, right. in my opinion, because yeah. every project is different, you know what I mean? Yeah, I think, I want to say one of the best sports dramas that I've seen in regards to basketball, uh, I'm going to have to go with, um, what's the film with... Um, Samuel L. Jackson, the oh, basketball. Yeah, yeah, I love Coach Carter. I've watched that movie so many times, and mm -hmm. I just always really liked it. They didn't show a lot, a lot of basketball per se, but I do like the way that it was shot. I love the way the story was told. Yeah, my and favorite sports drama. It's not even a basketball film, mm -hmm. but uh, it's a Million Dollar Baby. <gasps> oh my I God! I cried, yes, yo, I thought she was gonna uh, make it. I was like, ah, yeah. man, I thought she was gonna get out the hospital, man. But that was a beautiful. That's my favorite sports drama. That, that hands and, down. Um, um, oh man, what's the, the guy that did, um, it's going to come to me. I'll come back to it. Cause there's, it's a boxing one. Um, I can't think of what his uh, name is. Uh, you talking about, uh, the, Batman? Uh, no, no, no. Christian uh, Bale and what's no, his name? No, no, no. Oh, oh, I, Jake I, Gyllenhaal? That one? Nope, nope. It's not Jake Gyllenhaal. Creed? <laughs> no. Nope. Well, first of all, Creed 2. Creed, Creed 2. Creed 2 was dope. I thought I, it was better than the first. I mean, I mean no, no disrespect to Ryan. Yeah, no disrespect. No. <laughs> so I didn't know. I didn't really know about. So, you know, Ryan and um, Steven are homies. Like, yeah, they, of yeah. course. They, yeah, they both um, went to SC. Steven did. Have you have you seen The Land? No. That, the Land. That was his first feature. It went to mm. Sundance. It went at Sundance. Okay. I'm going to have to see. I'm going to see if I yeah. can find that and check it out. Um, But those, the way those boxing scenes, scenes were shot. Yeah, like I was like, bruh. I, 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 I just... And I don't know what the experience is like for other people who aren't in filmmaking or are trying to be in filmmaking, but I remember just watching it in like in awe. Like I just even last night watching. Um, I, did you watch uh, Black and Blue? No, you didn't I was get to fine. see. It. I didn't get to. I was oh, okay. That well, so. There are three particular scenes in this film. Deion Taylor, first of all, I, like I wrote him on um, Instagram after the fact, and I was like, "You guys created butter. Like it, it just everything moved, and it just like the juice. It was like I was like, y'all had sausage all through there. Like, but there's the there's three particular scenes that kind of give me um, when Denzel was in um, what's the King Kong ain't got nothing on me training day. Uh, training day yes. He shoots, um, she walks into the Ninth Ward, because it's shot in New Orleans, walks into the Ninth Ward, and everybody's on the, like, the balconies, and it, and it's clearly, like, in, you know, the projects or whatever, but it's so creepy, and it's just that feeling of, like, everybody's watching you, and you're you're thinking, like, as as she's a police officer, and she's being accused of killing this kid, how's she gonna make it through, because that's the, you know, like, I was thinking, like, somebody definitely gonna shoot her in the scene, or, <laughs> like, right. you know, or beat her ass. Um, there's another scene where he shoots the same in that ninth ward area where she's outside with the the te detective and everybody's looking around people got their cell phones out and then they go to the art there's art painted on the buildings and it's these these faces of black kids and the, and it was giving me like training day when that scene when they're the, the rooftop you know and they're just, um going shooting down on him but then it also reminded me of um tales from the hood with the people coming out of the pictures but it was like you know the way that the art was in that film like i was just like 
this is so good. Like, this is so good. And Dion, he's done in his past, he's done like two thrillers or whatever. So there were certain elements that I felt like gave me chills and kind of that creepy, like, thriller suspense vibe. But it's a drama. But I mean, ugh, I can't wait for you to see that because it, it, it really is so yeah, good. Yeah, I'm going to check it out. I wanted to check it out. Yes. Yeah, it, it's so good. Um, the, the, did you have a favorite film this week that you saw at the, the film festival? I saw Harriet and I saw. Um... Just Mercy. I thought Just Mercy was dope. Oh, yeah, Jamie's man. Jamie's going to get an Academy a nomination. Listen. At least a nomination. That's crazy. Like, yeah. He killed it. Yeah. Just Mercy. Oh. I encourage anybody that's listening to this, if you can... Attend a film festival. It doesn't matter if you're not a filmmaker. Supporting independent films as well as feature films that are made by people of color, it is so important because we don't just get, like, if you look into um, production companies. So production companies like to have a successful film before they decide that this is a genre they want to continue to explore, which is why, um, from my understanding, when I, I did the master class with Datari Turner, he was talking about how there, um, he had a, a film that he was supposed to be doing with a production company, but the film that they chose to release, they released it at the wrong time, they didn't do the right marketing for it, and it tanked. And so, therefore, that affected his film, which he didn't have nothing to do with the first film, but they decided, we already did a film like this, it didn't do well, we don't want to touch this anymore, we're pulling our, our money from you to actually get into production. And, um, and that, that was interesting for me to learn, because I was like, I didn't know that that's why a lot of times when it comes to black films, because they feel like black films are niche, or if it has two lead black characters all of a sudden it's a black film and we've got to market this as urban versus if we would have just given it the initial marketing we would for non-black films um so it, it's interesting to find out those facts and 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 that, that that's what affects us from getting on screen more um so i just think it's, it's it's important that everybody not just filmmakers go to film festivals because you get a taste of what it really takes to create the the stuff that we're doing you know exactly, what i mean yeah. and so um but yeah the i, I think that um harriet was amazing so. i had a great interview with cynthia um, and, and see, and I know, what is your take on this whole, like, um, non-American blacks playing American black People, parts? <laughs> yeah, I've, I've heard a lot of controversy recently. Honestly, um, <laughs> you got so quiet in your face, like, like, oh my God. Uh, um, like, what do I think about it? Like, as a filmmaker or as an actor? Both. Because as a filmmaker, I, I look at it from different lenses. Like, man, I, we want the best person for the for the Right, world. exactly. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want, as a filmmaker, as a director, I want the best person for the role. Mm -hmm. If Cynthia is the best person for the role, I mean, I wasn't a part of the casting process. I don't right. know who auditioned. I don't know who was the best part. I thought she did great. Oh, I think she did amazing. You know what I'm saying? I liked her performance. Mm -hmm. People think because people are saying because she's like what she is that mm -hmm. like how do you play? Now I understand. Now if you want to make the argument of somebody having the spirit, like you want somebody that's you know that's that's from where Harriet is from, like that comes from, like has that spirit. I understand that, mm -hmm. but as an actor, you're asked to embody these people and like portray these characters. Right. Like she's acting, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I want the best actor for the role. Mm -hmm. Now, as an actor, now I I might feel I I understand why people feel some some way because it's like oh these people are coming over here taking our roles, but it's like bro, like if she's, you know what I'm saying? You just, right. Get better as an actor. Yeah, I mean, it's mostly that's like true. people complaining about it are, are not great actors. And I'm right. Like, and I not think that also, good, bro. <laughs> there's so many layers that go into that too. Because we understand that with black actors, it's already a limited selection. And then once your face is known, you're if you're not getting typecast, then they're automatically going to go for like, for instance, right now, Kofi Cerebro is like, a hot new face out right now. I actually have a project that I'm writing that I'm like literally writing with him in mind. Like that's who I really want to play. However, 
I also have to be realistic because I'm like, I ain't nobody that's known right now. So who knows if I will once this is done and I try to shop it around or whatever it is that he'll even want to sign on to do it or right. like it. Um, so then I started thinking, well, also, how would this go? Like if I was to cast anybody else in this, who would be my other options? You know, because I like to I've been what helps me to write is to kind of figure out if I'm writing for a specific actor or just you know, kind of, like, trying to embody them. Like, I'm visually, in my mind, putting that's, this together and writing. That's interesting. I've never, like, when people say that, uh -huh. I, think, I think it's so interesting. I've never written for a specific actor in mind. I've yeah. never done that. That's I've dope. heard people say it, yeah. I usually, and write I, this, I usually write it, and then after it's written, I'm like, yo, this person reminds right. me of that. Right, you know right. Or this, this is, because for my feature, it's like, uh, the character is inspired by the character in Whip. Have you seen Whiplash? Yes. The abusive uh, instructor. Uh -huh. So immediately I'm like, okay, I think I want J.K. Simmons for this. But I didn't mm. write it for him. I'm yeah, just like, this yeah. is the, he fits. He could do this. I've right. seen him do this right. before. Does that make sense? Yeah, like, yeah. I never, because like, even with Fruitvale, Ryan was saying he wrote it with Michael B. Jordan in mind. Uh -huh. I'm like, how do you write that with Michael B. Jordan in mind? Like, right. that's, that's dope. I've never just, and, that's not my approach yeah, to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think for me, I think it's, becoming a fan of somebody's work um because mm. i saw kofi and kicks and i love that mm. and i and i that was like a completely different role than he's played in queen sugar i mean you know he played like the heartthrob and girls trip but and then even seeing his own indie um independent short that he made i'm like this kid has range and outside of queen sugar i don't think any filmmakers right now are trying to tap into that and it's crazy to me because i know like he talked about how he's at a point where he hasn't really had to audition like he hasn't had to prep to be like i'm gonna send out an audition people are approaching him and that's really interesting because he's so early in his career and right. that doesn't always happen for everybody yeah, yeah. Even, listen you know so i was <laughs> like that's a that's definitely a blessing when you have gotten to a point in your career at an early stage where you're like i don't even like have to really prep prepare like not prepare but um send out uh you know go audition and i don't know how it necessarily goes with actors like y'all go to a building no, <laughs> like you gotta get an agent right the agent right. has to believe you enough <laughs> to send you out right unless you know, you're just sitting on their roster you know what right. I'm saying? and then when you do get an audition if they don't know you or they don't see any value in you you're just another audition Dang. You know what I'm yeah so yeah yeah it's a it's a blessing with the position that he's in it's a yeah, yeah cause right. a lot of us are just out here trying to Trying hey, to survive. <laughs> you like, I'm gonna go in there, act my ass off hey, to get this role. <laughs> so yeah, I definitely um just just being a fan of certain people, yeah, and then so I'm always looking at fresh faces, fresh talent. Um, I try to watch a lot of web series and things to see who I like from those. And um, for me, because I'm a visual person, like I always tell people, when I listen to music, I actually see videos. Um, like because. Growing up, I did really want to be a music video director, but then we get to that conversation about visibility. All of the directors that I ever knew growing up were men. Mm -hmm. And so to me, that was never an option to ever be a film director, a music video. Like, it, I didn't know about like Diane Martell and, and like Ava. And, it, you know, the, I didn't know about these people until past high school. And then I started doing more research and started finding women directors and being like, oh, uh, let me go watch this. Or like not, not even knowing that East Bayou was directed by a woman. Like, you know, like finding those things out later in life. Right. But I would always like just listen to music and um, I'd be like, man, because I used to dance. I used to really want to be in music videos. And I would just be like, oh, I wonder how this will be put together. Missy was a huge inspiration for me watching her stuff. Did you get to see her on the MTV Awards, uh, her tribute? Yeah, I seen it, yeah. Fire, yeah. fire, like yeah. fire. And I, I, that's somebody I still would love to work with um, now. And um, But like, who are some of your favorite directors? Definitely Ryan. Mm -hmm. um, but the, honestly, I'll say this. I don't know. I'm in this weird like space in my life where I don't even know if I have like favorite directors. Like mm -hmm. I think I have favorite movies because mm -hmm. like it. Like I, I don't like having the expectation of like, oh, this is my favorite director, and then like they make a film that I don't like, and I'm uh -huh. like, I don't really know about that one. So yeah. I guess I like there's movies. Uh, there's I have favorite films where those? rather than. But then I mean the. I do have favorite directors though. I'll I'll, I'll answer that first. Yeah. I, I like you know Spike. I love uh, 
Ryan, of course. I even like Denzel. You know, he he directed The Great Debaters. Mm-hmm. He directed Antoine, Antoine Fisher. Fisher yep. He directed Fences. Like yeah. he's he out know, here. He, he yeah, out here. <laughs> and also like um um like the Judd Apatow films. Like mm-hmm. those are my favorite. Like the Super Bads, the, the all of the stuff, Rogan stuff. Uh, this is the end. Um, I like James Franco as a director. Um, what other directors? Who? Do, of course, Ava. Um, what other directors? Yeah, that's yeah. All that, off the top of my head. Yeah, yeah. Right and then, what are like some of your favorite films? Fruitvale, of course, Million Dollar Baby. Uh, I really love The Great Debaters. Mm-hmm. Bad Boys Two is my favorite action comedy. Yeah, uh, yeah. I like those kind of movies I can just watch yeah. all the time. Do you have a, a um, particular, like when you go out for roles, a particular genre that you want to be a part of? Because I know some actors, they just, like, you know, if you're comedic, you want to mainly go towards comedic roles until you get to a point in your career where you could do something more serious. Yeah, um, I personally think I could do it all uh, just because acting I don't go into it like, oh, this is the genre. I go into it like, this is what story we're telling and what, how could I, like, bring substance to this character and how could I, like, develop this character rather than genre. The genre will come later, you know what I mean? But my favorite genres are, like, dramedies, like, elements of, like, both comma and drama because I feel like that's the balance of life. Everything is not just dramatic in my life and everything isn't just funny, you know what I'm saying? Like, finding Mm -hmm. that balance and stories that are relatable that's the most yeah. related like insecure and shows like that like that it's not a comedy but it's not a drama right you know what i'm saying it's like humorous yeah. but it's like they have moments like it's like you know there has yeah. to be the mix i can't just sit there and watch a straight drama yeah yeah, yeah. you know what i'm saying like yeah. it's just like damn this is depressing is there any humor in this <laughs> See, like, you know what's so funny i always say this to people of when i'm talking about dramas i say that um there's nothing like a dark movie theater and people watching something so fucking like not even just traumatizing but just like sad or whatever you know i feel like it bonds people together because i I don't know like i've been in movie theaters before and you like packed movie theaters and have been crying and like i'll look over to next to me and the person is crying too and i'm like I don't even know you, but I want to console you. <laughs> like, yeah, I think I think what I'm referring to is more so of like, what's the film with Jake Gyllenhaal? He's a boxer. Oh, um, have you seen that film? I don't think so. Is that look? It just came with Jake Gyllenhaal boxing movie, Southpaw. Southpaw. So, well, his wife gets killed in that. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. no disrespect to that film, but I just couldn't relate to the film. I'm yeah. like, God damn, like it's just so much drama. Like mm-hmm. there was no light in it. It was just like I can't relate to that. I'm just like. Like at least like we'll give you an example for Harriet. They had they had like that character of like the uh, the con man. Like mm-hmm. he was like the comedic relief. It was yeah. like he brought light to the. Oh uh, yeah, you so talking was, about Omar? Omar, you talking Omar's character? That was the black guy or the black the black guy. He played the he was one of the bounty hunters that like transitioned. Right, yeah, Omar her. from Queen Sugar. Or are you talking about the younger guy? The younger guy. Oh, okay, okay. The younger guy. Henry. Henry. Henry yeah, yeah, that Henry guy. Yeah, yeah. He was kind of like the light of it. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? It wasn't just all drama. It wasn't all yeah. just slavery. I mean, it was all slavery, <laughs> but it was like, he had, they, they had some light in it. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, there, yeah, were, yeah, yeah. there were moments of laughter. Where the, you know yeah, what I mean? yeah. It wasn't it just It wasn't like, just all just sad. You know what I mean? Yeah. That, that to me, and no, just, like, that's just not my taste. Like, I don't just... I don't relate to just straight sadness, but even on the other spectrum, if it's just a silly comedy, I don't like those either. It's just like, bro, like everything's not a joke. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. where's the balance? You yeah. know what I'm saying? So that's I just feel me. It. I feel you. Because I know like, um, so I, I definitely want to get into writing um, romance comedies mm-hmm. um, because I feel like as black people, once we, that we, we had such a, in the 90s, it was like late night, well, early 90s to like mid 2000s was such a, particular time for like romance films like black romance urban romance whatever you want to call it and we just don't have that on screen anymore much and um i just it makes me sad because like i i love love and basketball love jones is one of my favorites i it's weird when i run into people who say they don't like love jones and i'm like what how could you not love darius love hall like you know like as a woman i'm just like swoon but you know and that's not for everybody but i um the wood even if the wood wasn't a romance film but there were elements of it in there and i the wood is one of my favorite films because i feel like how many stories do we have of people of color that are like 
um, what are they called? Um, was it coming of age stories? Yeah yeah, 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 coming of age stories. We don't have many. Dope is one of them. The Wood, Boys in the Hood. Like there are very few that I can like really name off the top of my head. Um, but yeah, it's like it was just such a special time, and I'm like I want to figure out how to get that back on screen and even the the rom-coms like um what's the movie jamie fox and gabrielle union and um oh man why is his name not coming to me from boys in the hood um it was called it was when he, he was like a, a author and uh, I, I don't know why i can't breaking think of all the rules yes yeah. yeah but like those are like deliver us from eva yeah. like those like we need those i want to like I want to watch characters fall in love and I want to laugh, or you know, so it, it just seems like for some odd reason we don't get many of those for like people of color. And I don't know if it's if it's because I don't want to say people aren't writing them because I know they're writing them, yeah. but the, the production companies just aren't you know producing them or maybe don't see value in. But like, why can't black people love? And that laugh, like, yeah. why does it have to be either or, or it has to, or even um in the romance film sometimes that I do see now, it's just like the black woman is so hurt, and it's like, why can't I just love and like it be free of like all this extra added trauma? I don't need all that shit in my life sometimes. Like, why can't I get a notebook? I mean, notebook was a little traumatic, but why can't I just get that like first fall in love and I. I don't know if it's because I guess when you look at the life of black people, maybe it's just so layered that we don't, you know, I don't know many black women who are like, I went out of the country and fell in love with somebody and that was a summer romance. Like, I'm in like a black travel group right now and I actually do see some people have stories on there on the Facebook page. Like, they were like, we met randomly traveling and now we're married right. and i'm like i don't but i don't know people like that in real life and so i want to be able to write those type of stories for black people to see like our love is not one dimensional and it's not just struggle love right. and you know and there's these layers and complexity so i'm out here trying to figure out how to tap into my funny and, and do some romance on top of that and, and and figure out so like right now i'm working on a piece about mental health and mm. love because I think that that's something that's definitely not talked about a lot. Yeah. You know, struggling when what happens when both of you have trauma and you're trying to figure out yeah. what's going on in with your life. But um, I'm going to wrap this up. Um, so before you go, I do want to talk a little bit about um, your your film, Spirit of Injustice, mm-hmm. you, which you wrote and directed and produced, right? Yeah, I wrote, co-directed it with okay. my boy Adrian. Okay. Um, and so I did watch it a few days ago. Um, so it's about an officer who kills a young black boy and the kid's spirit is basically haunting him. Mm-hmm. I was not expecting an ending. <laughs> I, I liked it that the way that it ended. Um, uh, I don't want to give it away. So y'all go on YouTube and watch it. So that's going to, this is my web series finds of the week. So that's the suggestion. Y'all go watch um, Spirit of Injustice. And you can find that on Romel's, um, was it your... Rose Productions page. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I was trying to do my homework. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, so, yeah, you guys go watch that. It was really good. It was definitely a piece that um, part of it was making me think of, and I think this is because it's my favorite movie, of um, um, Tales from the Hood. Yeah, with that, the, was the, the, that was a big inspiration. Oh, okay, okay. So I was on the mark. Okay, because yeah, yeah, yeah. I was watching it, and it just just kept taking me back to that one story about the... the um, the guy, the guy, it was like the first story where the guy was like the thug killing. Yeah, yeah and then the spirits were haunting him. Um, wh- you know, where did you pull the inspiration for this from? Yeah, so I have to credit that to my boy Adrian because uh, a lot of times, like, when we have, like, we both bounce ideas off of each other, you know, because we have a report of America's Pitbull, the first film that I ever made. So we come to idea, we come with all, we come with we come up with ideas all the time. Mm-hmm. So he had been mentioning to me like, bro, I want to do um, a story about you know a cop being haunted by the spirit of the, the the kid that he killed. You know what I'm saying? Like, and he kept telling me this, but um, we never like really ironed it out. And so we met one day. We were shooting some stuff, and he was like, hey, he brought it up again. Like a year later, he brought it up, and he was like, yeah, I want to do this. And we were just bouncing ideas off each other, and then it clicked. I was like, 
I was like, okay, I know how we could tell this story. Right. And immediately, like, whenever I get an idea like that where I see it from beginning, middle, and end, I have to act on it because I know that it's something, there's something there, you know what I'm saying? So I, I knew I wanted to tell it from the perspective of a cop just because it just made sense to me. Um, and just, I wrote the script, I wrote the, I wrote out the story, we went back and forth, uh, just uh, bouncing ideas off of each other. Uh, we casted it. And my brothers are actually police officers, so mm. that's the interesting perspective there. Um, so, uh, yeah, we just wanted to show the perspective of the cop, you know what I'm saying, and uh, and show also like the mental. I guess I didn't think about it till after the fact, but mm-hmm. the whole mental aspect of mm-hmm. it, like the the trauma and the. Right. How do you become so desensitized exactly. after years? Because, you know, you look at those like um, the video of the little girls, uh, the little black girl when the officer like pinned her down and was like dragging her across the concrete because they were at the pool party just having fun and somebody yeah. called the cops. And I remember watching that and I was just thinking to myself, like, how does somebody become so desensitized from it's, those it's things their, it's their training they're yeah. trained to do that you know what i'm saying yeah. even talking with my brothers it's like we get into disagreements all the time just the mindset and the mentality you know what i'm saying not to say they don't have that mentality mm-hmm. but the certain values and, and certain beliefs is just they feel like they're a figure of authority you know mm-hmm. what i'm saying and they feel like they have that badge so it's like you like you do what i say but i think the mentality of black officers and white officers, I think is different. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? The white officers, of course, there's some level of racism there. Yeah. But the Tamir Rice situation really affected me. You know what I'm saying? So I, I incorporated that story into right. this story. I saw that you know at what I mean? Like, yeah. Because it was just like, that blew my mind. Like, yeah. you, you, there was no protocol. You just pulled up and did what you did. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. that was me kind of like, you know, shedding light on that situation. Uh, for me personally, I also wanted to show the duality of the households of the of the black household versus mm-hmm. the white household. How mm-hmm. we're taught not to play with guns and yeah, guns are bad. Right? Not, oh yeah, that scene where yeah, he showed yeah. the little boy how to hold the gun. I was like, like bro, yo, you kill it. You kidding? Kidding and, me right now? Like, and I didn't I didn't know how realistic that was because I didn't grow up, grow up in a white household. But the lead actor who played the role, he said, no, like this is. Like this is correct. Oh yeah, they like, teach we, their we children very to, like, early that, to, that to are, play with kids. Yeah, with we guns. are taught about firearms. Yeah, and he was like, I didn't know that that black households were like this is like frowned upon, and but I'm just like, yo, like. Why is that frowned upon? We should we should teach yeah. our kids not to not to go do no, senseless yeah, yeah, shootings, yeah. But, but to but properly to handle properly, fire. Yeah, yeah, like how to properly and teach our kids like don't just ridicule. Oh, don't play with that gun. Exp- explain why. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, why should you yeah. play with this gun? You know what? Now I got to go actually talk to my little brother. Because I always tell my mom, I'm like, don't, why are you buying him that? Yeah. Like, I mean, water guns are fine. But, like, the ones that look like, I'm like, no, for what? Why? You know, but thinking about it, definitely I understand that um, you, you, they do, they need that education. Because we do need to teach people, it is your right to own a gun as well. And, like, if we going to really get into that, like, if they think it's their right to own a gun, you also have the right to own a gun with getting, you know, registered and all that stuff too. So yeah. why is it so shamed upon um, in our community? For and it, it, people, yeah. Right, right, right. And I think um, it was the the ending scene when it was the shadow. Oh, man, it was creeping me out. It was creeping mm-hmm. me out. But I was just thinking, like, I watched it and I was like, I wonder if they developed this into a full feature film. Like It's actually, that... we thought about it, but they are, they're in post for Body Cam, starring yeah. Mary J. Blige. Like, it's already in the works. Yeah, uh, they already got that okay. Oh, uh, okay. So, but we didn't, just, we didn't know until after we shot it. We were like, oh, okay. Like, right. Hey, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, um, it's a broad idea, you know what yeah. I'm saying? So I'm pretty sure. It's also it was... a compliment to your, the wave that you're on. Because mm-hmm. I say that all the time, um. Issa Rae talked was talking about developing a teenage, a black teenage a show, kind of like Moesha. I've been saying for the last five years to my friends randomly, we do not have enough shows for teen black teens, mm-hmm. period. And I have been saying there needs to be a Parker's or Moesha type of show again, or why can't we get a 90210? Because I remember the when they did the reboot of 90210 um, with um, Tristan Wilde, I started watching because of him. I always, me and my friend always joke about how she watches white shows and I only watch black shows. But a lot of, Michael B. Jordan too, I started watching Parenthood because of him. He had a show on um, 
in the end called um it was like the the interns or something i watched because i'm like a big michael b jordan fan so it's a lot of stuff i i actually started watching soaps because <laughs> but um you know like we don't we don't have enough like black teens of like Beverly Hills 90210 or the OC all those things um and we need those and I'm and I was just like man me and Issa we here we here so I'm like I need to work on that but um I um I think the other thing that I wanted to talk about really quickly too with the film was um how did you go about setting up the shot with the in that room um with the shadow and stuff because i know sometimes lighting and stuff gets in the way yeah we had we were very limited with everything we yeah kinda shot it on we shot it on no budget really but wow. um, with the with the shadow in the end uh so you said how do we accomplish yeah that yeah yeah oh, okay. i want to know see that's <laughs> how i'm like i i love like trying to get into that on the podcast because i know there are people that are in film that are listening to this yeah so we set up the lighting very very minimal just so we can see the actual figure because uh-huh. and me and me and me and my dp we actually like went back and forth on the idea because he felt like we should see the boy uh-huh. um and i was like no we should see a, a silhouette I, I was very yeah. adamant about it being a silhouette because i just thought that was creepier you yeah, know what i mean like yeah, seeing definitely. the boy it's just like we've seen him already like right like, but seeing the silhouette this is like you know it, it will subconsciously the audience knows that, that that's him we don't yeah. need to see his face you know what i mean yeah. so i wanted it to be a silhouette um and then uh so how we shot it, we just shot it from the other, we shot it from the the cop's perspective in the uh-huh. bed, and uh-huh. we just made sure that we saw his silhouette, and then, um, yeah, when we, the reverse, it was just, we just shot him over his shoulder, and just, you know, it was very, it was a simple shot, mm-hmm. um, but just making sure the lighting reflects something of a silhouette, so where we see the figure, but we don't actually see what it is or who it is. Mm. It's more about lighting than about like right. the angle or the, the camera. Right, because like I always, um, when I watch stuff, I'm just always looking at that like, man, like how do, how do they set this scene up? Yeah. And I wish that uh, we, get, we, we would get more of that type of stuff when you look at BTS footage on things the, and well, stuff. The most complicated shot was the, the, the bathroom shot. Because uh, it was we, such a tight. Where we see, because, like, I don't know, like, Adrian is a fucking genius. Like, on set, I didn't know how to, I, like, because it was his idea to, we see, so we see him, we see the cop looking in the mirror, Mm -hmm. and then you see the cop, you see this, you see the cop see the figure in the mirror, but when we pan over, he's not there anymore. Do you remember that shot? Like he's in the he's in the bathroom in the in the in the uh the cop is in the bathroom he's looking at himself in the mirror mm-hmm. and then the figure he sees the figure behind him and he turns around the figure's not there anymore. That I was the most that. that was the most complicated shot mm-hmm. because it was like bro, when we pan over we're gonna see that well, we had the actor had to duck down right. But I'm like bro yeah, like I'm it's like, a like, mirror we're gonna see the the guy but he was like no just trust me like we're gonna. Filming like this, da, da, da. Mm-hmm. I don't, you have to talk to him about how he accomplished that. But <laughs> I was like, bro, I don't get it. I was like, I don't get it, bro. We're gonna see him duck down. He was like, no, yeah. just trust me, we're not. Yeah. And when we edited it, he was right. I was like, yeah, that works. Yeah. Are you pulling way, it up right now? Yeah, because I was like, let me go back to that. <laughs> I mean, it was. It was in, I really in, liked it. I think it's in the middle, right? Yeah. It was like, yeah, right, right, yeah. That's the scene, but it's mm-hmm. right when he at the end of that scene when he looks. He looks Over. back. Yeah. Oh, yep, 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 yep. This scene right here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let me fast forward it just a little bit. Let's see. Yeah, it's like right after. And this. even, I, I, I really like the way you guys shot, um, like, the close-ups, because you went tight on mm-hmm. it. Um, right oh, right I see. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's like... Like how fast? Yeah, so he saying? had like, to duck really fast or that. I don't even know how we did that. Like Asian, <laughs> and I was run, I was running off of fumes. Like yeah. I, was, I have no sleep. I was just like I was so over. That was the end of the day. I was so over it. I was like, bro, like I like, <laughs> I don't like my mind how. is yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah. So it was one of those days, but we got it done. Yeah. And, uh, 
Yeah. Well, congratulations on that. <laughs> I mean, you. so, oh, also, so um, the reason why I said um, Spirit of Injustice is a web series fine this week is because you can watch it on Issa Rae Presents for her short film Sundays. It is up there. Um, it was uploaded earlier in January, so it's not like it, you got to go that far to find it. But again, it's on um, the Rose Productions um, Instagram page. I'll make sure I put all of the information in the description when you guys watch, uh, listen to the episode so you guys can go ahead and just click on it and go straight to the video. And I'll make sure I include Romel's info in there so, you know, if anybody in L.A. or Atlanta want to hit him up for an interview or something, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Y'all can do that. Um, thank you so much for, you know, just being here, um, being present and being a creative and, and doing the Hollywood thing your way because mm -hmm. I think um, sometimes we get so caught up in trying to figure out how to be like the, the our idols and, and, and get into the industry the way that they did um, so many times people just say just work hard just be persistent and it's like you're not telling us all of the ways, the yeah, necessary ways on exactly. how you got here because you might have got there because you went to an HBCU and you knew this person or you yeah. went, you know. Um, so that's why I think it's important to get independent creators on this podcast um, to talk about the stuff that we talk about, our right. likes, our dislikes, how we set up shots and all of that, the, the um, ideas that we have come across us. Do you have anything you want to say before no, we I go? Just, I just want to thank you for the opportunity, uh, you know, to come and talk and network and, and connect. Um yeah, and I appreciate the platform. Uh, this is dope. I, I support what you're doing, and I think it's really cool, and I want to continue to support. So any any way that I could support moving forward, let me know. And Absolutely. Yeah, this, is, this is cool. I appreciate that. Well, y'all can find him in Atlanta. He's down there now. I'm in L.A. Oh, you're in L.A. <laughs> yeah, in okay, LA. you did. Okay, yeah, yeah. I thought you was back. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, I left Atlanta. Oh. I'm in L.A. right now. I'm stationed in. I live in Inglewood, so. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Inglewood. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, you can find him out in L.A. Um, before I leave, um, the next episode, I probably going to do solo, y'all. Um, I'm going to talk about my experience at Urban World. Make sure you look at my Afrovocative Instagram and Sit Black and Watch on Instagram because I will be posting the interviews that I got. I got some amazing interviews from Megan Good, um, Tamara Bass, um, God, there was just, uh, Ron Rico, Mark Tallman, uh, O'Shea Jackson Jr. I, I got an um, insane amount of interviews this week because I got to do press on the red carpet. Shout out to my girl, Delisa, for inviting me. Um, and I think that you guys are going to really love them. You know, I'm trying to grow in this whole entertainment journalism field. Um, I appreciate you all for listening. And um, I will be back next week. I promise I won't take another long break. I'll be back.